Align Your Practice podcast with Dr. Cliff Fisher, where your best practice and life awaits you. Are you tired of running a practice on your own? We want to come alongside you with experts to help you create your dream practice and your dream life. Here is your host. All right, tribe. Welcome to Align Your Practice with Dr. Cliff and Dr. Joe, brought to you by Align Life, where we want to give you the tools to find and create your aligned life. So, Joe, we're just coming off like the best weekend of the year so far with our revolution. And I know we did a bunch of talk about freedom. And so I would love to dive into that with you today. Yeah, it was a great event, Cliff. I, uh, it's one of my favorite things of the year because we not only level up our knowledge or consciousness, we also celebrate the year. Gratitude for the tribe, for each other, for the opportunity to you know take care of our patients and just uh, share a lot of wins and adversity. So it's, it's my uh, my favorite weekend. So it was really great. Um, yeah, the topic this year was about creating freedom. And we looked at it in many different aspects. One was uh, what we're trying to do really with patients is provide them freedom via our approach to healthcare. Uh, we could dive into that, you and I, in a moment. And the other side was create freedom in your practice, which is another whole mindset for, uh, for, for the doctors when they focus actually on the practice in addition to the patient. Yeah. I think it's so important because I think freedom, when I talk to people, that's a lot of people's like top five core values is freedom. And so I thought it was a great topic. I thought there were so many things that covered and um, I thought your intro was awesome. And just as far as like, I think so often we get lost in, you know, what we're creating, we just get busy creating and not really like, why are we creating it? And I thought you did a great job on really putting the why behind that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, because what we're realizing is people lose freedom when they lose their health. So get, regaining freedom when we talked about different scenarios, like when we have the patient with a migraine, a business member with a migraine that takes a medication, told to go home, lie in bed with a hot compress on their head with the lights off for two to three days. Well, that's a pretty unproductive three days. <laughs> so <laughs> you're probably not going to hit your numbers. You're probably not going to get the bonus if you do that too often. So we talked about how chiropractic can, can help people get stay in the game and allow them to generate the freedom they're looking for. So whether it's the businessman, whether it's the avid athlete trying to accomplish uh, life's goals, such as a triathlon or even a 5K or climbing a mountain or whatever it may be, that, that generates freedom by serving their, their social and their lifestyle desires and values. Um, and we even talked about a mother that, you know, maybe has carpal tunnel and they got that brace on for two or three years, can't carry a laundry basket, can't cook dinner, can't do the things that empower mom to be mom. So whenever someone loses who they are, the biker, not being the bike, the the uh, bodybuilder can't work out, the father who's a businessman who can't generate revenue, mom who can't do th these chores and take care of the kids. You kind of lose who you are. And uh, I think, you know, generating freedom is such a powerful thing inside of the field of chiropractic in those scenarios that I mentioned. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it reminds me of that Roberto Monaco quote when he was saying, like, you know, when you don't have your health, like, you can wish for everything you want when you're healthy, but when you're not healthy, that's the only thing you wish for. And I kind of had that day Sunday where I couldn't even walk. Like I was in really? bed all day. Yeah. Like my whole leg, like was numb, like my low back, it was wrecked. I didn't know and that. I, yeah. And I was just like, man, 
because my body's been really strong and really healthy for me for the most part since I've been like 20 and since I found chiropractic. And I'm just like, man, no wonder. Like I couldn't, my wife's wife wanted me to help her in the garden. I couldn't even be a good husband, you know, and I'm like hobbling out there. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I want to go for a walk. My wife's like, just rest. Your body's telling you to rest. I'm like, no, I want to walk. Like I'm, I don't have anything scheduled today. Like, let me like be there. And then I couldn't be there. And I'm like, oh, this is what everybody feels like on a regular basis that come into our clinics. Yeah, it kind of consumes your consciousness and deters you from what our goal is in line life, which is to help people experience greatness. So there's definitely yeah. not greatness when you're obsessed with this pain or this dysfunction, this lack of mobility, whatever it may be, it becomes your most conscious thought. Uh, without wealth, you're without health, you're powerless. You know, they say wealth is, is a useless reason is powerless. You just don't have your, your asset value. So definitely, definitely a good, good topic. Now we're talking about clinic freedom. We kind of defined in a line life what freedom means to a clinic. We came up with three, three objective quantifiable um, components to it. Uh, number one was that, uh, that you're able to see about 300 people on wellness care uh, and their recurring revenue covers your entire overhead. Um, and you have inside of the customized dashboard of Align Life, we have a statistic called referral quotient. Um, I think that's exclusive to Align Life, but the, the, the term is basically the number of referrals that you get uh, for every new patient that walks in the door. So we have that calculated inside of our dashboard. So we want a 1.0 referral quotient. We want at least 300 people on wellness and automatic recurring revenue via wellness care to cover uh, the total overhead of the practice. So those three components will, will create freedom. Freedom from the need of new patients because that referral quotient. Freedom from uh, having to chase dollars because of the recurring revenue. Um, so those components will create you to be allow you to be more creative in practice, allow you to uh, focus on those you're serving versus those that you need to obtain. So uh, that's kind of the framework. What are your thoughts? I, I, you've told me to define more and more. And I'm really working on doing that and not being so subjective. And when we're trying to quantify how doctors can experience a different, different practice style. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I think that's an incredible, like, it's super clear. Like, once you know that, it's like, cool, my mind automatically goes, okay, how do I solve that? Versus like, oh, we need a, you know, a practice that covers overhead. Well, what does that mean? And so now you've defined the overhead side of it. And then it's like, okay, how many people do we need on this wellness plan and why? And what are the pricing on that? And so it's like, and the referral quotient, I think genius because, you know, I think people can say, and, and I'm, I think I'm probably guilty of it too. Like, but we did, I, th you know, I didn't have the referral quotient. I wish I did, but we were three to one for every one person that came in, they would refer three people. Um, but then I just didn't hold on to them as long as I should have. That was my, my downfall. Yeah. It's interesting. If every patient that refers, refers somebody else, or like you said, two or three, you get two to one, your full quotient's 2.0. That's, you know, uh, an unstoppable <laughs> practice. Like it can't be controlled. You better be hiring doctors because if you can retain patients and you have that referral question, it's unstoppable. So it's interesting once you have the data, then you could backtrack and say, 
Um, well, I got to cover all my overhead to be a freedom clinic. Well, I could lower my overhead. <laughs> I could get more patients. You can do different moves or different behaviors that you can instill in order to meet these criteria. So I, I do love the quantifiable approach to that. Um, so we built in our dashboard. So now the dashboard tells us recurring revenue on top of their full quotient. We have all the parameters now in the dashboard. So it got, got revised and customized. So I'm excited about it. That's awesome. And I think that's the thing. I think a lot of times as leaders, we're, you know, we go off gut too much. And I think once you have the data, it just makes your gut decisions so much smarter and so, so much less scar tissue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you're, if you're listening and you want to obtain that type of practice, the question, the questions you're going to ask is how do I convert more people to wellness? What steps do I have to take? Is it my workshop? Is it my initial consult? Is it my report of findings? Is it my table talk? Is it my progress exams? Or is it all of them? Um, and, you know, and then if you want a referral quotient, how do I ask for referrals? How do I preemptively preframe the referral? How do I, and there's so many components to it. And then the recurring revenue, how do I increase my wellness price per month? How do I um, make sure that they're on auto payment? What kind of system am I using? What kind of reminders can I give them? What kind of benefits in addition to the wellness care? Is there discount or nutrients or free nutrients in the program? Is there an x-ray involved or an exam? Or what other components will make that program, in a sense, irresistible? Of course, the chiropractic care. But if you want to add more things to it in order to make it more enticing to stay on for long, the long term, uh, that, that's, a, that's something that you can work on. Yeah. And I think like for me, like what I see doctors struggle with is they don't put the work in on the front end and then they get frustrated on the back end. And, you know, I know one of the things we really believe in Align Life is like, it's a hard, easy. So do that hard work up front for easy later versus like, oh, let's do easy now. And then it's harder and painful, more painful later. So. Yeah. Those of you who have a real quick day one, um, it may be harder to educate them day one, day two processes. Uh, and not that we don't want it tighter and tighter and tighter because we always are working on it as align that clinic scale, you know, from 200 to 300 to 400, 500 visits a week, it, it gets tougher to be as lengthy. So you do have to get streamlined in it, but be careful of watering down the first three days of care because you're going to have to try to, you know, backtrack and educate more throughout the care in order for them to really substantiate the value of wellness care. So. It's a good point, the hard, easy versus the easy, hard. I think you walked right into it, too. Like, I think the one of the highlights for me at the Revolution was the, the five dysfunctions of a team, which Joe Clarino did. And it's a who problem, not a how problem. And so as you're growing, you don't want to cut things down. You just want to have the right person doing those roles and jobs. And I think that's one of the things Align Life's done a great job at, like, fulfilling and delivering is, like, here's the roles and who here's the type of person that should be in that role. Yeah, I think it's, I love that quote in the beginning of the book. Um, they talk about the ultimate competitive advantage and you wonder what that is. Is it higher revenue, higher profit, more technology? Uh, but they stated in the book, the it's not finance, not strategy, or not technology. Three of the big things that we all you know could use more of, more finance, more strategy, more technology. But they say it's actually teamwork. That is the mo the ultimate competitive advantage. And the reason why is it's not only so powerful, but it's also so rare. 
because a lot of teams are either tyrannical in their nature, as we talked about in the past with our review of multipliers. Uh, their, their leadership style is is uh, is off, off kilter. And uh, you know, when you have the when you have that inside of your business, uh, you're just going to create a dominance in the marketplace. It's just a great place for people to come work and express their genius. I think that's really at the end of the day, like what people are looking for, you know, a place where they can go and, you know, be who they are, be authentic, have a space where they have the trust and then just be able to have that conflict, be able to get into conversations about what's best for the practice, what's best for the patients, what's best for the team. I think that's one of those places where it's just, you know, really challenging when you're trying to do all these other things, but you're not taking care of your team first. And I think the team is the number one thing. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm going to pull up some of the information that we had on that. Um, you know, one of the other quotes that they they mentioned, which was probably my favorite, is in regards to teamwork. Talked about if um, if you get everyone in your organization rowing in the same direction, whether it be marketing, front desk, the doctor, the the CT marketing, everyone rowing in the same direction. You can dominate any industry in any market against any competition at any time because very infrequently is everyone focused on the exact same goal. So I think that's probably one of the most powerful quotes I've heard in business. And it, it makes me keep reflecting on, are we really rowing in the same direction? And many times in my life, it's close, but it's never everyone on the same page. It's like being out of sync. Like I can't think of rowing because I never did rowing, but I can think of the treadmill. Like if you're out of sync just a little bit, you misstep, you fly off the back of that treadmill. Yeah, so true. Um, so, you know, looking at this function, I know you had mentioned maybe doing some more granular breakdowns of this, but just as a general idea, what we talked about at the revolution, we talked about those five dysfunctions of a team and it's like a triangle, uh, a pyramid, I'm sorry. And at the bottom of the pyramid is the foundation and then it goes up higher, higher, higher. We start at the top of the pyramid and we work our way down, but it all begins at the bottom, but we're gonna peel it away from the top down. The top of the pyramid is results. We can measure it, it's quantifiable, everyone wants it. <laughs> what we talk about all the time, it's results, 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 whether it's new patients, revenue, whatever it may be, it's all about just results. So uh, if we want to go to the next level, what what's the number one thing that um, dictates results? And that is accountability, meaning are people accountable to what they state they're going to do? Are, are they accountable to the outcome? because results is the outcome. So it's, you have results on top, underneath results is accountability. How many of your staff aren't accountable to a number? Where they look at a number, they just forget about it, talk about it at the end of the quarter, they look at it, there's no reporting at the end of the month. It's just something that we state as a, you know, a good thought process, but never review, never holding people accountable. Um, and we see that a lot in the businesses that we coach that there's just a lack of accountability overall uh, to the business, to the process. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. And I think the accountability, that's what like the meet, weekly meeting rhythms, the morning huddle, the 
quarterly meetings, the monthly, all those things are like a, you know, a collision to bring up those things. And so a lot of times people aren't doing those meetings, so then they're lost and they don't even end up there. So I think the results is great. The accountability is awesome, but you really need that commitment at the end, you know, just to kick that part off. So it's commitment to the strategy. It's commitment to, you know, the, the plan and the, uh, what some people call the project of the quarter or the rock of the quarter. So once you have commitment, strong commitment, then you'll be accountable. But if you're not committed to the plan, you're not going to be accountable to it. So now, we, again, we're building this pyramid backwards. So the top is results. How do you get results? You make sure everyone is accountable. And how do you get everyone accountable? They have to be committed, committed to the actual plan. So what do you need to create commitment? Um, and where do you lose commitment? Beneath commitment is the, your ability to have healthy, uh, productive conflict. Healthy, productive conflict. So let's define that. What do you, What is your thoughts on healthy, productive conflict? I think people to be able to have their voice, be able to speak up. And I think a lot of times we're afraid to hurt somebody else, somebody else's feelings. Um, and so I think healthy conflict is being able to express your thoughts. And I think to recognize that there's more than one right way to do things. And I know for me, it's not always my way. Um, but I think being able to have a discussion about focusing on the problem, not on the person. Yeah, exactly. So you can uh, critique a behavior, not not an individual. So you could uh, say that's not a great behavior, or we need to work on the behavior. But it's not. It could be you could have a bad behavior, but not be a bad person. Um, and that's really important for you to clarify. So healthy, productive conflict going up the pyramid creates the ability for you to have a commitment to the plan or the project because you had a voice. Once you have a voice and you had a healthy, productive conflict, which is Debates, discussion, uh, voc being vocal to your opinions. Then you create commitment, commitment. Then you can be accountable to your commitment, and then you can create the results. But underneath all of this, the bottom of the pyramid, the most important factor of the whole thing is vulnerability-based trust. Vulnerability-based trust. So you look at trust, whether you look at some of these uh, books like um, – Endless referrals, it talks about people have to know you, trust you, like you. Look at Stephen Covey's book, Speed of Trust. You know, a lot of sales, business, marketing concepts seem lately over the last 15 years to go back to the core essence of trust, which is amazing. Um, so vulnerability-based trust means that you're vulnerable, that you feel you're vulnerable. And... Dr. Sebastian Bonin said something this weekend that made so much sense to me. He says, it's not like I don't trust you. It's that I don't have vulnerability-based trust, meaning that it's not like I think you're going to steal my wallet, but I may not be vulnerable. I may not expose myself to you. I may not open up to you. I may not put myself out there in front of you because of the fear of getting attacked, invalidated, knocked down, verbally laughed at, in, in uh, not considered in the discussion, inconsiderate towards me. So many things can happen where you don't have vulnerability-based trust. But I agree with Sebastian. Some people think trust, like, oh, they're going to steal from me or they're going to do something really, you know, evil. But that's not it. It's, it's the vulnerability aspect of being able to trust that I can be vulnerable. How did you feel about that? I, that was really 
made a lot of sense when he brought that up because I was thinking trust overall and it could be, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And I think if the leader can be vulnerable, that makes it okay for everybody else around them. But if the leader's not vulnerable, that sets the stage for nobody else can be vulnerable. And so I think as soon as that wall gets broken down, I 100% agree. I know I saw that in different relationships. Like when I was vulnerable, it allowed the other person in that relationship to be also be vulnerable versus if you're not, then nobody's allowed to. And it's just, you don't talk about it. You just keep walking, keep your head down, keep working. Yeah, I think if you want to be a great leader, I think this would be a great, uh, that five dysfunctions of a team would be a good first read. And secondly, that book, Multipliers, that we've talked about in the past, I think that's a good one too. understand the need for vulnerability-based trust. And then Multipliers will break down all the many ways that you break trust in the way you lead people. So I think that's a good, good combination. And really, during the, the what we did at the at the revolution, which we'll, we're going to do again next year because we want to mature through it. It's interesting. It's the first time in my life that I said we're going to do the exact same presentation, but just go deeper. I uh, usually always want to change, give new content, new data, but this is so golden, this concept. Um, but what, what you do is then you rate each section of this pyramid of uh, the five dysfunctions of a team. Uh, five functions of a team or dysfunctions of a team, depending on how effective you are, uh, is you rate it and you see where your staff thinks you are versus where you think you are. And there's usually some uh, clarity that you'll achieve where there's a disparity between one team member and, and another team member that they think you're so far apart on one of these levels. And it drives conversation, brings the perception closer together. So now we have congruency of our thought where we're, we have a common reality, which drives understanding of each other when you have a common reality. I always think of, you know, all the stuff's happening, whether we're conscious or unconscious about it. So you might as well be conscious and be eyes wide open so you can head, head it head on versus like keep walking this thin line of like, oh, I don't want to offend or I, I don't want to create conflict where conflict clarifies. I mean, there's a green book written on that, uh, you know, and every time I have conflict, it clarifies. Yeah, I like that. And I think if we were to help a listener understand a little bit more of what does it look like when you don't have vulnerability-based trust, there's a lot of different things discussed, but one of them would be your meetings are boring. There's no debate. There's no conversation. There's no one will open their mouth. So that's when you don't have that trust, that's what happens uh, is, is your boring meetings. You don't have any dialogue or debate. Uh, because people don't open their mouth. Um, there's less opinions that are shared amongst the, the different people, um, ideas. So you have less creativity in your meetings is another another component. You have less growth, less results, higher overhead because you hire more staff because they're not as engaged and they're not as accountable. So your overhead goes up. Um, so those are some of the things that you could, if you're listening, could say, ah, that may be me. Um, you may have some areas of the five. Uh, you may have uh, one of the five dysfunctions of a team as a glaring component in your management style. And I don't know what your thoughts are, Joe, but like when I was helping some of the teams around there with that, like when we were looking at that, like if your trust is at a five, you can't be above a five on the ones above that. <laughs> like, yeah, unless, unless it's like tyrannically fear-based pushing uncomfortable to heavier lift it takes more work more energy more money so you could still get the results you just triple or quadruple your marketing spend you force it it's just got to be forced 
and costly, and a lot of turnover and a lot of pain. Um, so if you do see, I think it's a good point, Cliff, if you have like a one or two on uh, productive, healthy conflict, and then you got uh, eight on results, there's some pain from uh, from the second <laughs> level to the fifth level, um, or there's lies. There's there's pain or lies, one or the other. Either they're not getting results <laughs> or it's costing them dearly to get there. So what we want to do is make business and growth um, remove as much resistance from it as possible. And that's why we do these exercises. That's why we dive in to give business owners um, the self-awareness to just open their eyes to see some of these things. And at the revolution, it was, I mean, glaring holes, massive breakthroughs. People were going home. I talked to two today. They're like, oh, my God, I, we've already changed massively our leadership style. And it's, it's interesting, Cliff, because we used to only teach process and procedures. What does the patient see in the flow? What do we do in our procedures in the back end? But it seems like uh, a lot of the influence you've had and others spent a lot of time on leadership. Like, really? Versus just role play scripts and flows and process, which is still very important. But uh, I think we've, we've really matured in our teachings, our coaching, and even the growth of the clinics with leadership. Um, so I appreciate some of your, uh, uh, your guidance and, and uh, awareness around that. Yeah, no, it's been an awesome journey in that space and just seeing the line of life growing that way. There's so many positive things and, you know, just seeing the clinics. And, I mean, the results reflect it, too. Like, I mean, you know, the clinics have, you know, what it took a year to do can do now in a month. And, you know, we're cl the averages are going up by 20, 30 percent. And it's just it's amazing to see as they become better leaders, how their practice grows. And it's not that they're doing more marketing. They're just leading their team better. That's our biggest ROI. Yes, I think in closing, I think, you know, if you're a business owner, don't always think it's more work. I think it's more awareness. Mm. Um, so instead of doing more work, just create more awareness by educating yourself, such as this podcast, other podcasts, reading and, and utilizing the data to change the way you're processing, the way you're thinking. So I think it's refreshing to teach leadership because the light bulbs go off faster. The breakthroughs are more intense. And the outcomes uh, pretty pretty immediately, pretty immediate. Yeah, that's a great wrap up. I double click on what you just said on that. It's not more work; it's more focus and attention. And I think when you're talking about that, like all these podcasts are great; it's great information. But sit down and do the work. Like grade yourself on these five principles. Like where are you at? Is it one to ten? Like sit down, do the work, and then make the changes. Because you know we can make decisions to take action, but until we take action, nothing moves. So. Yeah, so go online, look at five dysfunctions of a team, Look at, search for the pyramid of the five dysfunctions of a team, look at the pyramid, uh, re-listen to this podcast and see if you could your team and you individually can rate those steps of the pyramid, and then you can have an, uh, a meaningful conversation about uh, what your ratings were and why there would be a disparity between you and other team members, and that would drive a great dialogue to strengthen your team. So, awesome, cool. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for your genius as always. And I'll put a link. I'll just put a link to the five pyramids so you guys don't have to search anywhere. So just go right to here. I'll put a link to the five pyramid and just do the exercise with your team and do it for yourself and it'll change your life. Awesome. Great. Great session. Bye -bye. Great. Bye-bye.
For opportunities to build your dream practice, presented by Dr. Fisher, reach out to Align Life Centers for Natural Health at AlignLifeOpportunity.com.